0: Now, like a lot of other organisations, the Irish Wheelchair Association has had to change the way it delivers its services during the COVID-19 crisis. So to chat to us about how they've adapted, I'm joined by Mags O'Connor, who is Service Director with the Irish Wheelchair Association in Mallow. And in a couple of minutes, I'll speak with one of the service users. But Mags O'Connor joins me first. Good morning to you, Mags. Hi Patricia, how are you? I'm very well. Now firstly, your community centres are all, I'm, I'm assuming they're all closed. Just to explain, what services, when they're up and running and open, do they provide
1: well, I suppose in normal times, um, we would support, we've had a community outreach service, so people would come into our centres, we'd run projects, programmes, we'd have group things, um, so, you know, say drama, anything that the service users, the people that use our services say that they'd like to do. And we would also have individual supports. We'd be about people being part of their community, which is so important. So supporting people to access, you know, their local towns, their local courses, whatever sports people need. So it's very important. It's just the bringing together of people is really what what people want. You know, they they like meeting each other and having the social interaction that comes with that. Um, so that's our usual um, form of service. And then
0: COVID-19 arrived and uh, like yeah. all centres like your own, uh, you had to close almost overnight.
1: Absolutely overnight, yeah. I suppose the, when we heard that the schools were closed, Closing that was when a decision was made that we would have to change our our focus and our way of de- delivering services. So overnight, um, our in-house services became an outreach. So our we brought the centre to people. So, so ex- it,
0: explain how that works.
1: So um, we would contact people on a daily basis. Um, we support people to with shopping, with you know prescriptions, the very practical supports, um, but in, as well. We support people with continuing the the interests and the hobbies and activities that they had um, prior to COVID-19. So we would bring information packs to, to people. Um, we bring different projects, you know, art projects, art activities, um, so that people have something to well to do. Well, well done.
0: Because would I be right in thinking that um, a number of your members will be very vulnerable to COVID-19?
1: Absolutely, and I suppose that was quite a worrying time for people who use our services because, you know, they're, they are dependent on assistance and, you know, they, they would, the number would have underlying conditions that would make them more vulnerable. So I suppose one big aspect of this is the social isolation that people are Mm. are feeling, I know, like everybody, but particularly so because, you know, they were, people are cocooning and that's vital link with, other people, you know, similar situations that peer support, suddenly we've gone overnight. So um so I suppose with modern technology in some areas, so say in, in Mallow, we're using Zoom. Yeah. And we're we're learning as we're going, but you know, some whatever people have access to um technology like that so that they can actually see each other. And that's so important. And you know, it makes just seeing a person and having the interaction with with each other is really, really vital. Um and that so that's I suppose possibly the way things will be going, you know. Down to the in the future, nobody knows. But it's been very, very helpful. Yeah, it's, it's
0: becoming our, our new
1: normal. And Mags, absolutely, what what
0: happens if one of your service users would need to go into self isolation? Does that bring with it its own challenges?
1: Yeah. Well, I suppose with our our assisted living service has continued as well in fairness and providing the vital support and the critical to keep people at home and with personal care. So, um, one of the Uh, the responses that the IWA had was an emergency response team so that's acting as a kind of a third layer of support if you like for following family and the HSE so we would continue to provide support and care for somebody if they had to go into isolation so um, it's a case by case basis you know, supporting essential care, care needs and it's a testament to the our frontline staff really who are you know, they continue to support under those circumstances because our our focus is the people who use our services. Well and, we, you know, so we we know how essential the service is. Um,
0: and, and I'm assuming with all the social distancing, do you have to wear PPE gear? Is, you know, staying two metres apart when you are well, calling
1: to people? Yeah, so for example with our outreach service, we would call to people because we find that, you know, a phone call is great, but it's really the the interaction it's the seeing a face you know can make such a difference so we would be very careful in maintaining social distance the two meter and um, we would use gloves say for example if we're handing over any packs or anything that we are um, getting together in the in the centers ready to go out all our staff would be very very diligent in wearing you know sanitizing wearing gloves PPE just to ensure that every the safety of everybody and um, and the the social distancing we would you know we've had situations say the person could be at their front door we're in the garden standing we could be standing there for an hour chatting uh, it doesn't yeah. matter we, we have all the time in the world because that's what is so important to people is to keep that connection
0: and well um,
1: mm-hmm. yeah so you know whatever we we can do we are doing okay. you know if,
0: yeah. Or I'll, I'll talk to you in, in a moment about fundraising and how fundraising activities must be affected uh, because of COVID 19. But I want to bring in somebody who knows only too well the great work of the Irish Reacher Association. I want to go to Clonakilty, where I'm joined by uh, Marco Sabatini. Is it Corlone? I hope I'm pronouncing you right, uh, Marco. Was uh, was it's I Corleone. Corleone. Um, oh, well, You're welcome, uh, Marco, to the, to, to the program. Bye. I have to say, you have an incredible life story uh, to share. <laughs> uh, it really is unreal. You, you spent time, and I don't have time to go through it all. Unfortunately, we'd be here. Yeah. I'd say for Bye. a week. You should write a book. Can I suggest? If no one has ever uh, suggested to you, doing
2: that. ah,
0: well, that's a good suggestion. <laughs> uh, now, you spent time in the army in in the United. Kingdom. And then yep. when you left the army you found yourself in Bosnia in the right. early 1990s. Talk yep. to me about that stage in your life and then ultimately what happened to you when you were in Bosnia.
2: Okay, so what happened was um, I originally went out as a freelance journalist, and we were sending all the photographs and information back to the UK. But unfortunately I found out not long into it that the items were all being locked down in a media library and they weren't actually going out in magazines or the newspapers because they were classed as too horrific from the British government. So I decided being ex-military and part of my skills in the military was being a trauma medic, I decided if I could find some aid work to do. And I was sat there pondering what to do one night and I got chatting to a guy who was actually running a it was a disused um mountain rescue school up in Bihad Mountains in Bosnia. And uh, we went up there and he had young lads who were actually dying of hypothermia during the winter because they were giving most of their food to the kids and not wearing the proper clothing. So I reorganised all that kind of things and helped them and showed them the importance of eating and wearing the right protective equipment. And I was with them back and forward, driving back and forward from into Integrated to pick up supplies. And one night we were going in, um, my f- I drove down and my friend was driving back, he was on volunteer, and we hit a explosive device. Unfortunately, he was killed outright in the accident and I ended up with lower lumbar spinal injury.
0: And did you end Um, up in a wheelchair at that point in time?
2: No, I was given, like, sticks and a a temporary chair at first from the hospital I was in in Zagreb. But um, what happened then was... um, there was one morning I was getting ready to come back to the UK and I was actually arrested by the special police who um were a special unit attached to the civilian police or with them and sort of military personnel on the grounds that they checked and thought because I was ex army I probably wasn't you know, they thought my press creditation and my um Aid working was a front to being a mercenary and I was teaching Muslims to fight, which was totally untrue. And they arrested me and they gave me beatings and um various methods of torture um while I was in their custody. And it was I was with them for approximately just under a month, which was like hell on back. And what happened was the um Special police took me to a special court hearing early hours of one morning, and I bumped into someone from the British consulate purely by accident. And once he heard me speak in English to the guards to try and communicate for a drink, because uh, English was virtually zero, um, he interrupted and took me into another room. And once he got my name, he said, that, Oh, you were arrested yesterday for a drunken disorderly and attacking Oh, my goodness. Office. And I said no, and that was obviously a story
0: that they that they had made up. Yeah, so they so so it was the, it was that gentleman helped you, and and you did manage to get back to the to the United Kingdom. But when I you did. when you got back to the United Kingdom, uh, Marco, you fell on pretty tough times.
2: Well, I did in London. I I turned up back to where I used to live. I used to live in the borough of Westminster, which is a really nice area in, in London. I had a 1st floor flat, but unfortunately it was a stone staircase, so they couldn't adapt it for anything for me to get back up there. But my landlord was very, very good in the respect that he let me out of my lease without any extra charges because it was a long lease flat. I went to the local borough after being living there and was told that basically um, there was not much he could do because all their B&Bs were upstairs. So they wouldn't be able to even put me into temporary accommodation. So I ended up becoming street homeless for nearly two years before well. um
0: And how did I was you end able up
2: to get off the street.
0: And how did you end up going from being homeless in London to now living in Clonakilty?
2: Oh uh, right. <laughs> okay. Well, I got my life sorted out and you know, in London and all that, I started looking into my original biological mother who was from the Irish travelling community. And I started looking into her family research because I have a curiosity and obviously a strong interest. So I, I used to come over to holiday to West Cork. I stayed in Bandham in halfway for quite a number of times on a holiday. Liked the area, came into Clon and started looking into more I need to find out that my mother's people were all here in West Cork. Wow! So I ended up coming over here with no family, you know, toys. Ended up getting lots of toys, and some good, some bad but listen Marco that's that's my home
0: that's the same with all families and i know you've yeah. ended up having to have uh, both of your uh, legs amputated yeah, from uh, ab- from above uh, from above the knees so talk to me about how the wheelchair association the role the wheelchair association mm-hmm. plays in your life
2: well before my amputation i was a member of the IWI um i found first found out about them 4 years ago or five years ago. And they've been fantastic. They changed my life overnight. At that time I was I wasn't driving. I was stuck indoors. I only could come out if I had got um like minibus taxi. My life was very limited. Yeah. And then once I found out about the IWA I was able to go out on day trips, go to the centre and be treated like anybody else. Because I do have a bit of a problem where I get fed up with so uh, not everyone, but the average able-bodied person treats you special because you're in a the chair. They presume your brain yeah. doesn't work yeah. rather than your legs.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the famous uh, one to somebody in a wheelchair does. Does he take sugar in his coffee or does he? Yeah, take sugar? yeah, yeah. well, I've
2: had that myself. Have you? Yeah, it's shocking. With a friend, and they've even when I actually my friend got given a menu, and then I asked for a menu, and she gave me a menu. And then she, I just said, out politeness, because I said, female. Oh God, what do you want? Because I was treating her.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, to lunch, and the lady took the order, and then she promptly says, "And what would your friend mind?"
0: Oh my goodness! <laughs> as if you could, as if you couldn't speak. Anyway, listen, life is good yeah. with you at the moment. I know lockdown is is tough on on everyone, and you've well, got it to, is, But he,
2: uh, I'll just say. Um, you know, the IWA's been fantastic, the way they've changed. You know, they've been able to help me with shopping. Brilliant. Bank, all sorts of things What well, I didn't think I'd be able to get out to. Are you cocooning at the moment? I'm cocooning, Cooning, but we're getting a few more, you know, releases so I can go out now for exercises. Great. Because I could only go in my garden. I can not even take my dog for a walk or anything. But um, now we can, so that's made a bit of a difference.
0: Okay, and listen, uh, as I say, we only got a snapshot of of, of your life uh, story. Yeah. It's it's an incredible life story. Uh, use the time in lockdown to write that book, Marco. You've got a great uh, yeah. you've got a great story. Listen, thank you for joining us and talking to us on the program You're this welcome. morning. Good morning I'm to right. you, um, uh, Marco. They're joining us from uh, from Clonakilty. Uh, Nags, typical of somebody whose life has been has been completely changed around because of the Irish Wheelchair Association
1: well it's it's lovely to hear that i I have to say it's um and I suppose that's what's so important with the the work that we do It's about supporting people to achieve you know to to live a a normal life to be part of their community and um, and I have to say that our the communities have been so good so supportive prior to the pandemic you know all along and more so now um our local communities they're you know they' it's really important and they really support the work that we do, um, which makes things so much easier as well, you know. Um, Talk and, you know, to me,
0: though, about fundraising, uh, What What's yeah, happened with fundraising?
1: Um, well, I suppose like that, overnight, um, our fundraising came to, came to a grinding halt. You know, we've been forced to postpone our nationwide fundraising activities and close our network of charity shops. So it's a really difficult time, like... for for everybody and we you know we have to raise over 2 million above our HSE funding to keep our vital services going Wow and so we know that it's a difficult time for everybody and we're asking people if they can afford it to make a donation to support our or frontline workers and people with physical disabilities in their communities. Um, We've launched a fundraising initiative called My Big Day in May for IWA. And we're encouraging people to do a fundraiser in aid of the organisation between now and the 30th of May. So this can be anything from setting a sporting challenge to taking part. We've a, a nationwide virtual run and roll challenge where people are... Running or rolling two, five, or ten kilometers for the Irish Wheelchair Association, but you know whatever fundraising or whatever support people can give, we would be very, very grateful for, and um, just to keep keep the services going because they they are so important to people. They are vital yeah. for people to, to to keep be part of, the uh, and they're and, and they're the,
0: the difference between leading an independent life, isn't it? I mean, that's that, oh,
1: absolutely. You know especially like our assisted living service, really where you have you know um personal assistance continuing they're visiting people's homes, you know without that support, a number of people wouldn't be able to live independently because you know these um personal assistants support people with personal care they support people with you know other tasks that allow them to to live independently and you know that's so important being being independent is you know it's just. The most important thing, yeah, just because that you can they're have, just because know?
0: they're they're in a chair, it doesn't it doesn't mean that they can't have and uh, um, be being in, independent. You mentioned your charity shops, at Mags. It's one of the things we constantly hear from people how much they miss miss charity shops. Have you any idea when your network of charity shops will be back up and running?
1: I don't no. unfortunately have any, you know, um but I would say as soon as we possibly can, yeah, because you know, like that, they are important for communities as well. Because we all, you know, we all love going into a charity shop and finding a, a
0: bargain. And a, I keep a, a, saying, <laughs> I keep saying since this lockdown, I can't get over the number of people who every week we get contacted by people saying, any idea when the charity shop, really miss the charity shops. Um, that You know, yeah. they're,
1: they're great and they've
0: sprung up all over the place.
1: They are. And I suppose they're, a, you know, it's a win-win situation because, you know, you're supporting a, a cause and a service and a vital um, service as well by by supporting them, so hopefully sooner rather than later, you know yeah, um, yeah. and and look we we just grateful for the support that people give us and um, throughout the year with them as well, so was what, whatever, and um, we'll just keep going yeah
0: and and your actual and your community centers no idea when they when they'll be back up and running
1: um no, no. unfortunately, I suppose in we'll have to follow the the government and the HSE guidelines, but we are trying to, you know, expand our outreach you now to, you know, possibly as easing restrictions. It could mean that someone could go somewhere, you know, um, which sounds, it's just a small thing, but as we've all discovered over the last 10 or 11 weeks, it's actually the small things are the most important things, you Absolutely. know. so um, So look, we will keep responding to whatever needs are out there in as safely as possible. We, you know, maintaining safety and just changing as day by day.
0: Absolutely. That's all you can do. That's yeah, all you can do. It. Listen, keep flying Go. the flag. You're doing great work Likewise. at the Irish Wheelchair Association. And it was a real pleasure to talk to you and to Marco Likewise. and Mags. Thanks for that. And thanks Thank for joining us. Thank you very
1: much. Patricia, take Good care, morning bye-bye. to you.
0: Bye bye. Bye bye. Mags O'Connor there, who is with the Irish Wheelchair Association. She's the service director uh, at the Mallow branch of the Irish Wheelchair Association. And thanks to Marco uh, joining us on the line from Clonacilty.